You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Getting you ready for a college football Saturday. This is BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Welcome, welcome, welcome to BetQLU. My name is Jeffrey Wright. I am the co-host of the Gene Otto and Jeffrey Show right here on 92.9 FM ESPN in Memphis. You can stream us live on the Odyssey app Monday through Friday from 2 until 4 Central Time. My co-host, the co-host of Shannon RJ on 105.3 The Fan in the DFW Metroplex. He's on Twitter at RJ Choppy. RJ, how are you, my man? And I am doing well. It is that week. The week of the national championship stink flies by. Every single year of the college football season goes by quicker and quicker. And now the depression's about to set in, which means we have to wait, uh, you know, nine more months for actual college football again. Yeah, you, you 100% are correct. It feels like even more so than the NFL, even though NFL games go faster, it feels like college football, you blink and it's over with. And then, you know, you get to championship Monday and it's like, gosh, now I've got another nine months before I can bet against this certain team. <laughs> and here we are again. It's an interesting matchup. You and I have, have talked about it on a couple of other previews. We've got Alabama and Georgia again. Right now, currently, the line's sitting at three in favor of the Bulldogs. I believe the total is 52 and a half. I'll have a couple of notes on that in a little bit. But I just kind of wanted to start, now that, we've, now that we're approaching the game on Monday night, how do, you, how do you feel about this in general? Like, in my opinion, these are the two best teams, and I'm going to watch it, but I'm a junkie. Like, I'm not the target audience here. Like, I'm going to watch no matter what. I, I don't know. Like, I just don't find it all that fascinating, even though I do think these are the two best teams. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I do find the game – here's the problem. We just saw this game four weeks ago. Yeah, I think that's – I do think that weighs heavily. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, you know, growing up, and I hate to sound like the get off my lawn dude, but like college football was, you know, there, there is no rematches. You had your chance. Like there is, and I, and I hate that mantra. I hate that philosophy, but you know, that that's kind of how the sport is. You know, I, I don't, I don't need a rematch. I already know, like, why does Alabama have to prove they're better than Georgia again? They already did it once. Uh, I remember in 2001, uh, when I was in college at Tennessee, we were like number three in the nation, and we had to play LSU in the SEC championship game. We already beat LSU that year. Why do we have to beat them again? I, I didn't understand that. It made no sense to me. Um, I, I don't like rematches in college football. I like them in the NFL. I don't even like them in the NFL, but I get it. I'm used to it. Uh, so I get why somebody may not be all in and enthralled with this matchup because we just saw it four weeks ago. But – Make no mistake about it, we know who the two best teams are, and they're playing on Monday night. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point because so much of sports viewing is entirely predicated, I feel like, with every other sport, it's postseason. Like, even in college yeah. basketball, it's a tournament. And, it, you know, whether it be NFL football, it's about the playoffs. Like, in the end, like, nobody remembers – you know, that that Romo and them were the, you know, 13 and three, they the number one seed. They remember that 
hey, Romo threw the pick against Eli Manning and the Giants went on to knock off the Patriots. Like, it, it's, it, it, it doesn't really matter what you do in the regular season. It's all postseason. And every other sport is that way with the exception of college football. Like, yeah. and, and I think sometimes people use the crutch of, oh, well, people just say you want to preserve the regular season because they don't want to change the playoff. No, it's because of exactly what you just said. It is this weird reality of, like you, the I, I'm fine with rematches in the NFL. The Cowboys in the example that I just gave during that season, they beat the Giants twice and beat them convincingly twice. Yeah. But it didn't matter because the Giants on the third time, they got them that day uh, at, at, the old, at the old stadium in Irving. And in college football, it's this weird reality of, you know, you had your chance. And it is weird how we don't – maybe – I think this I is know. kind of my – by kind of philosophical or existential struggle that I have with all the playoff conversation. In the end, I always vote for more football. Give me more football, I'm in. Like, I, 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 will, I will watch it, I will bet it, I will love it. But I do feel like most of the people that are trying to change the sport, most of them don't have, like, a historical understanding of the sport, and they're trying right. to make the sport like every other sport, and it is this weird reality of, like, College football is this different thing. And, yeah. you know, I think using the example of LSU, I mean, the other thing is, like, LSU gets, you know, in that game, Rohan Davey gets knocked out, they mentioned with Tennessee. And then Matt Mock, who I imagine Tennessee had no film on, just ran quarterback draw to death. And so all of a sudden, Tennessee, who's had this remarkable year, kind of a fluke set of circumstances, like now they're out of the national title picture and, and then we off we went. We saw Nebraska enter the equation again. And, you know, I think back to LSU in 2011. They knock off Alabama. They went to Tuscaloosa in the game of the ages that was actually one yeah. of the assiest games I've ever watched in my entire Awful life. Game. What was it, 12-zip or something like that? 12-9? I think it went to overtime at 6-6, and then Alabama missed a field goal, and LSU made it. They won 9-6, if I recall correctly. Awful like, game, man. Just a horrific football game, but – if you look at what LSU accomplished that entire year, I think they had the greatest season of anyone up until that point in the BCS era. And congratulations, your reward for all that was go play Alabama again. I suppose where I'm struggling with this one is that while I think both these two teams earned their way here and they should be here, it is this weird reality for me of like, maybe I don't, I don't really want either team to win. <laughs> And I don't think that's I know. possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as an SEC guy and, and, you know, the two teams in it happen to be two of the three biggest rivals of my school. I really hate this football game. Like, I, I really hate this football game. And you're absolutely right. The people who are influencing the decisions of college football in the media are not college football fans. They're NFL fans. They went to schools that don't have college football or don't care about it, you know, and, and it's just, it's the unfortunate reality that we're in. I mean, I'm not a, like, I, I like the structure of the NFL. I think that in, in American sports, we put far too little emphasis on your success over a six month regular season and far too much emphasis on your success over a four-week postseason. I am not an EPL fan because I don't get soccer and it's on at like 6 a.m., but they have the best structure set up of anybody. The regular season 
has a champion and it matters just as much as the champions league champion. Like, and, and that's, that, that's a perfect I, setup. I, love this. I mean, it's, Hey, here's the thing. We have 20 teams in here. You're going to play everyone once at home and everyone once on the road. We're going to add up the points and whoever is the last man standing. And is it like, I do think you're, I think you're definitely onto something in the sense of, you know, it's like, let's be real. Everyone in sports media that, it, that has a quote unquote voice. They went to three schools. They went to Syracuse, they went to Missouri, and they went to Northwestern. And sometimes they yeah. went to both. And right. like, and none of those play college football. Even correct. though they play college football, they don't play college football. Right. And, like, Missouri's the one, like, uh, that has, like, the best understanding. But even, like, even that is just – it's this weird reality of the more and more you try to make college football the NFL, I think the more you hurt the product. Because in the end, what sells the NFL is – Rosters are even. Well, rightly or wrongly, this is the way it is. You can try to come up with all the regulations and rules and restrictions that you want. College football is never going to be an even playing field. No. Alabama's got people that care way more. Georgia's got people that care way more. Like Whether or not you call it name, image, and likeness deals, whether or not you call it cheating back in the day, like in the end, they have the reason why these are the two teams standing is they have the most amount of people that are willing to light money on fire in order to build a good college football team. And that is why we are here. And so you can bemoan and, and, and come up with all these realities. We're still going to be winding up in the same spot. Like, and yeah. so that's the whole deal. If you want to expand it to 12, that's fine. Like, cool. It's more football for me, but I'm just letting you know, it's going to be the same thing over and over again. Like that's just yeah, the way that it it's is. It's going to be worse. If you hate the sec, I can't remember who said it this week. But if you hate the SEC, expanding to 12 is not going to help you out. All you're now going to do is get three or four of the teams in the Final Four from the SEC. Correct. It's the same reason why if you if you like upsets, the last thing you want is a seven-game series. The more oh. games you have to win, the less your chance of being an inferior team and winning. If you right. want if you want to see the SEC get knocked off, I mean, BCS, back in baby. the day, We've seen Miami get beat. We saw the 01 Miami team or the 02 Miami team get beat by that Ohio State team, which was a good team, but nowhere near the amount of talent. We saw the USC team get knocked off by a very good Texas team. But at the same time, it's like if you want to see the upsets of the lesser roster, you need to make it as few game as possible. But it feels like that gets lost in the conversation. It does. It gets it gets totally lost, um, you know, but like that's where we are. And, and now we're sitting here and, we're, you know, Alabama is uh, right, right, right back where they always are. Despite losing their wide receiver, Mechie, despite losing, um, you know, everybody to the draft last year, the Heisman Trophy winner, the quarterback, they lost all those guys. And here they are without skipping a beat. And that's because, you know, it's not like the NFL. The NFL, the best team, the worst draft pick. And in college football, the best team gets the best draft pick. And it completely changes the structure of the sport. And the, and the NIL deals, now it's the schools with the most money. Did you see the the story that A&M, you know, how they got this recruiting class this year? And, and, and this was from a Sooners insider somewhere that the, 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 the 25 to $30 million in NIL deals were created for donors. Well, well it I was mean, nice because it was a beautiful testament to Bear Bryant and – I know what it takes to build a good team. Cold, hard cash. Yep. As John Wooden would say, cash, cars, condos. Those are the yes. three C's to recruit. 
And that's what you got to do. And, and that's exactly how you build a winner in college football. And they're doing legal. It's legal now. You know, you create a dummy LLC, maybe you make a fake charity and funnel money to a kid. And that's totally above board. And now they're allowed to do it. And this is going to funnel these high-priced prospects to the schools with either the most money or, in the case of Jackson State, they had a barstool to back them. Are we sure? I thought that kind of got debunked. I I, the last I had heard was that it was the, the NIL deal was from Barstool. Because he's now a Barstool-sponsored yeah. sponsored athlete, right? Yeah. I still don't think, like, I don't, I think the, the real story that I'd heard is that Dion had gotten, Dion had, like, pulled together, like, four or five people that did have some money, and they were doing, I just don't think Barstool is financially backing them. Like, that's, like Barstool has NIL deals with players all over the country, sure. but essentially what that means is they they split revenue on shirts that they sell, which they sell. You know, they're probably the king, I would imagine, in that space of selling yeah. of selling merch and whatnot. I just don't think Dave Portnoy and crew. I don't think Penn National just handed over a million dollars and said, "Go get a DB." Yeah, they may not have done it all, but you know, they may, they may be part of. I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe it did get debunked, but you know, the point is, is that if you have backing. Yes. Um, like the uh, the Charlie Batch story with uh, Caleb Williams. Hey, yes. come to Eastern Michigan uh, or Central Michigan, and and you know here's a million dollars NIL deal. Like someone's gonna go to Wyoming because there's an NIL deal from Jackson Hole snowboarding camp or whatever. Like who knows, right? Whatever. Like the tourism board. Well, the tourism yeah. board decided, like yeah. So there's money to be had. There's money to spend. And they're going to spend it on these NIL deals. And whoever school is lucky enough, you know, college basketball is run by Adidas and Nike. And college football is run by NIL deals. Yes, there's no question. Like, when you when you get into all of that, we're going to get into the actual game as well, some prop stuff. But I just kind of wanted to get your initial reaction. I feel like you and I, we were, we were on different wavelengths. I was convinced that Alabama could not block Georgia the last time around. Alabama retooled their offensive line. And boy, did they block them. And boy, did they light up that secondary. You took it very simply. You've got Alabama. You're getting points. Do it and take it. Yeah. How do you see it this time? You're not getting six this time, but you're getting three. Um, if I'm getting points with Alabama, I'm going to take Alabama. Uh, it's, it's, it's a general rule of thumb. Uh, usually uh, in, in years past, this year didn't play like that. But if, uh, if Kansas was playing that weekend, I was going to bet against yeah. Kansas. Uh, and then the rule I'm taking now is basically if Alabama's getting points or giving fewer than, you know, two touchdowns, I'm probably going to take Alabama. No, I, I, I see it the same way. We kind of – I think we we kept it simple in the playoff game. Wait a minute. Like, Cincinnati deserved to be there. At no point did we question whether or not they were deserving of being there. But you have to, from a betting perspective, look at it very simply. This was Alabama against a group of five team, and you were laying less than two touchdowns. It's like, you have to do that. Like, just go and do that. Like, that's that's what you should do. And then psychologically, though, there's this weird element of just because we saw the rematch, that maybe it feels like the right play is Georgia, but I simply cannot do it. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, to, it's tough for me to, to, to take points away from Alabama. It really is. When we come back, we'll take a look at player props and more. 
on the national title game. This is BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. You're listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. And welcome back to BetQLU. I am Jeffrey Wright. He is RJ Choppy. RJ, we're going to get into a few other props and whatnot, but let's go back to the actual line because I think you're spot on. If you are, if you're someone that is just a, you know, bets based on numbers, oftentimes, you know, takes a look at trends or where money's going, how the line moves. Everything to me points to betting Georgia. With that being said, I simply cannot do it. It's I, I look, I can't do it either. Um, everything, every single metric out there, because you got to know how Vegas makes these lines, right? They don't make these lines just by looking at the game. They look at the entire season. They do it based on power rankings. Uh, and then they also do it based on various efficiency metrics, like, expected points added and and DVOA, especially in the NFL and college, they may do a little bit less, but you know, you got to remember Vegas is not going to deal in recency bias. They don't. Vegas is not week to week. They they know that gamblers (laughs) are week to week. That's why they make money. Yeah. That's exactly why they've made money. And you know, if you were to look at it, it, you know, Bama was a six and a half point dog. And then the conventional wisdom was, okay, they beat them like that. We're going to flip it. And they're going to be a six and a half point favorite in the national championship game or more. And the reality is that would be an unprecedented line move four weeks later with basically yeah, well, no some type of like major injury or, right. you know, maybe one team had massive COVID, but you're like, if it's just what it is, which is, yeah, each team's a little banged up, but in general, this is the same two teams going up, going up against right. each other. Market corrections aren't 13 points. They're three. And that's about what we got. We got about a three-point market correction. And, you know, like, that's just the way it is. And this is the interesting thing. And I'm an analytics guy. But Vegas, I do believe, is massively exposed here with this line. Because this is the right line. If you were to look at it, if you were to do a blind resume test Georgia would come out as a favorite and it's the right play if you go by the numbers and if you and if you do the it's like it's like hitting on 15 in blackjack dealers showing a picture card okay just because you if you hit on 15 and you bust it was still the right play correct it just didn't work and that's how you have to look at gambling and everything is telling you, all the numbers say, if you bet Georgia here, because of the history and what you know about Georgia's overall season, this is the right play. Except for this game. This is that outlier. Georgia absolutely is the right bet. And they have no chance of winning this football game, in my opinion. Yeah, the one thing that gives me concern is the fact that I 100% agree with you. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's the fact that it's Kirby versus Saban. It's Stetson Bennett versus Bryce Young. Yeah. And, you know, I can give you the examples of Alabama, you know, in the rematch winning that game and whatnot. But in general, in college football, when you have a rematch in the same season, 
basically the team that won the previous matchup wins about 60% of the time. And then if you get into a conference title or national title implications, it moves closer to like 67% of the time. Oftentimes that happens in college football because, spoiler alert, usually one team is better. Yeah. The one thing that really does give me hang up, other than the fact that I, like, we, we see the game the exact same way here, Alabama got a little banged up on the offensive line. And the thing that had given me concern and the reason why earlier this year I took Georgia in the SEC title game was I did not know how Alabama was going to block Georgia because they had been exposed at various times throughout the year against really defenses that were nowhere near as good as what Georgia presents. Right. They're a little bit banged up. We won't really know. I expect, honestly, who's playing until Monday. It's That's the one thing that gives me concern is if they have to play the offensive line that they finished the fourth quarter against Cincinnati with, I do think that makes Georgia a better play because I don't know if Alabama can just tempo Georgia to death with those guys. And they might not be able to. But I will say this. You know, Alabama – Georgia's better basically uh, at a lot of places on the field. Except the two places that really matter, coach and quarterback. And, you know, if you just go look at any playoff game. If you bet on the better quarterback, you're going to win that game more often than not. And I don't mean the better quarterback. I mean, now, yes, yeah, Stetson Bennett could go out there and have a better game than Bryce Young. And if he has a better game than Bryce Young, then Georgia's probably going to win the football game. But he's not going to have a better game than Bryce Young because he's not as good. And you have to take those chances. The chance is, is that, yes, Aaron Rodgers may – I mean, like, he's lost a lot of playoff games at home. But you, you're, I'm betting that in week two of the NFL playoffs, he's going to have a better game than Dak Prescott because he's a better player than Dak Prescott is. I, I fundamentally agree with you. I think there's also kind of a game script question here because yeah. – I think, like looking at looking at some trends in the college football playoff, the game has gone over in six of the seven games. The very first one did not go over. I think the line was like the number was like seventy-two and it got to sixty-two, or maybe it was seventy-four and got to sixty-four. This game went to seventy-four and a half last year and still went over. That's what we're seeing with these situations. If Georgia gets into a shootout, I do not think they can win, because in the end, it's exactly what we're talking about. I do not trust that Stetson Bennett is going to be able to make every single play. I do trust that if Stetson Bennett is able to, uh, you know, run the football and then take some deep shots one-on-one, yeah, I, I think he's capable. I mean, we've watched him make throws this year. But where it becomes a situation is if it develops into the same game that Georgia and Alabama played in the SEC title game and furthermore the same game they played in Tuscaloosa last year that both went 41-24 – I do not. I think we're going to see the same result that we saw the previous two times with Stetson Bennett versus Alabama. He's going to make one or two critical mistakes, and that's going to be all she wrote. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and if he makes those one or two critical mistakes, the game's over. Georgia has to play Stetson Bennett. I should say, not Georgia. Stetson Bennett has to play not only a clean game because he can't just sit there and dump it off for three yards. Okay, he has to stretch the field expose some of the Alabama players at the back end if, if they could be exposed. Use the talent you have. And then he also has to basically play mistake-free football. Because if you're going to give Alabama extra possessions, they're going to make you pay. They have the Heisman Trophy winner. They have the best player on the field. 
they've got a team that is loaded up with five-star guys on offense. Alabama's replacing a five-star wide receiver with a five-star wide receiver. So that's an interesting that's an interesting topic that you bring up because I, like you, fall into the category of when people go, oh, how's Alabama going to replace so-and-so? Like, we've been saying it for a decade. I was like, I've always given the same rebuttal each and every time. Just because you don't know the talent's name does not mean that that person is untalented because they are replacing that guy with another guy that is just like him. He just happens to be a year or two younger. One thing that did give me a little concern based on the Cotton Bowl and what we saw with Alabama, I don't feel like they just plug in place John Mechie. And in particular on third downs. Now, Mm -hmm. I think there's also a perfectly reasonable explanation that would make sense. I'm not sure it's the right answer, but it makes sense. I think when Alabama went straight down the field on that very first drive and just ran, ran, ran for eight yards of carry, and they, I think they got to that point and said, okay, we're winning this football game. We're not putting anything else on tape, whatnot. But the one thing that did give me concern was I didn't think Alabama was very good on third downs. And I do wonder if Georgia – I feel like Georgia got a, really exposed by Bryce Young because they didn't rush him very well. They would get pressure on him, and they wouldn't get him down to the ground. While Cincinnati didn't get Bryce Young down to the ground – they did a really good job of making sure when he scrambled that he didn't get to extend, extend, and then mm-hmm. just boom, take the deep shot. I mean, but that you know, that's, that's the thing. You've got to play for both, right? You can't – and that's the one thing with these great offenses, these great quarterbacks, and especially now as we've uh, evolved with the, with the position, basically every quarterback worth their salt can move. Yes. So you've got to have you – know, you're, you've got your four-down linemen. And now, now in college football, they're playing 3-3-5 three, three, most of the time now, right? But you've got your down lineman, and then you're going to have a spy. And that leaves an exposed guy in the back. Uh, you know, it, it, it just leaves one guy that can't drop back into coverage. Or it's one guy that can't blitz. That guy basically is in no man's land doing nothing unless the quarterback runs. And it creates a problem, and it creates an, an advantage. And, and, I mean, it is hard to I mean, pick your poison against Alabama. What's going to beat you? Bryce's legs, Bryce's arms. Is it the wide receivers or the tight ends? The running back? Who's it? They've got superstars everywhere. That's what is Georgia, except Stetson Bennett. The most important position. Yeah. And, I mean, the, the one trend that we have seen throughout the college football playoff, the team that has that guy at quarterback has been winning. I mean, you know, you look at it last year. Alabama had Mac Jones. He's having a great year in his rookie year in the NFL. Previous year, Joe Burrow. For LSU, Joe Burrow is having an unbelievable year in the NFL. Alabama previously, uh, or I'm sorry, Clemson with with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor's, you know, a generational type talent, at least I would say. I'm still not sold on Trevor all that much in terms of being uh, the next uh, John Elway, if you will. Alabama previously, like, advantage right now. Oh, there's no question. As I always said, if you're, if you're, in 2022 or 2021, if your best receiver is Laquan Treadwell, you have no players. Like that is, I can right. I can confirm. I covered Laquan. Like if if he is your best player right now, like on offense, your number one target, you've got no players. But remember when everybody really thought seen... that he was the next best thing? Remember when everybody thought he was going to be the next great thing when he got was it Minnesota that drafted him? 
Yeah, Minnesota. I can say though, when he snapped his leg in half against Auburn, he was never the same player. Like he yeah. he had yeah. one of those types of injuries that you're like, it was yep. right. In, I was down on the field at the end of the game. I was like, oh, that was. Ugh. I'd never wanted to see that ever again. But my point is, you have to go back to, I guess Alabama with Jake Coker to have the last Stetson Bennett esque type quarterback, and I just don't think that's, you know, in the end. The reason why Alabama doesn't have a Jake Coker anymore is because Deshaun Watson proved to Nick Saban, okay, guys, like, we can't do this anymore. Like, we have to modernize. And I don't know, like, I guess that's kind of where I am with Georgia in the sense of, you know, maybe there's a psychological element here that when they got to that SEC title game, all the pressure was on Alabama. You know, for Alabama, it's win, go home. Georgia, it was on paper relatively meaningless. The biggest yeah. problem I have with that is I don't buy that because I think Georgia knows their last hurdle is Alabama. And yeah. I, it's again, it comes back to the same point that you're making at the start of the, you know, at the start of the segment. What's different? <laughs> it's four weeks, man. The, the players are the same for the most part. I mean, they give maybe a couple offensive line guys, but uh, you know, the wide receiver, but for the most part, the players here are the same. The, the, the key participants are Nick Saban and Bryce Young and Stetson and, and Kirby. And I'm taking Nick Saban every day of the week. Uh, you know, every day. The, the, you, you have to convince me, again, the, everything points to Georgia being the play. And if I bet Georgia, I'm betting strictly on the data or data, however you want to pronounce it, I'm betting strictly on that. And I could sleep well at night knowing that. But I also know that Alabama is going to win this football game. They're probably going to win by more than seven points. And, you know, quite frankly, Vegas, oddly enough, you know, the, the pro money is on Georgia in this game. So Vegas, I mean, Vegas might actually make, Vegas might actually be rooting for Alabama. I never thought I'd say that, but they might actually be rooting for Alabama. I guess it's going to, in the end, what it's going to really boil down to is, which side do they have more money on, right? Yeah, always. Always. And, and now, they may be as close to 50-50 as you're going to get. I think that's fair. Is there any props that you like? Here's one that I kind of teased that I actually like. So if you go to for players to score a touchdown, there's a couple that I'm ruling out. First off, if I've got to, if I've got to pay more than – I'm looking for something with plus odds here. Jamison Williams, he's not a great red zone target. Now, he has a lot of touchdowns, but most of them are deep shot. The guy that is second on the team in red zone targets is Cameron Latou, the tight end who caught the first touchdown pass in the semifinal game. The number one red zone target is John Mechie. He's not here. Yeah. I can get Latou at plus 380 right now over at FanDuel. To me, like, that's one that I'm really liking because that if they get into the red zone, I think that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to kind of get outside the pocket. They're going to, you know, move Bryce. And oftentimes, hey, first option's that tight end, that guy right there. I, I really like that at plus 380. You know, uh, that is a good one. That is a really, really good one. I think some of the ones that I like, you know, I'm, I'm going to safe here. Like, who the MVP is. I'm, I'm just taking Bryce Young. I think Alabama's going to win. I think Alabama's going to win. Why would I not take quarterback to win the MVP? I mean, you know, 
to me, the player props, I, I, I don't get bogged down in them. Um, I, I do more in a regular season than I would in this game. Coming up next, we'll turn our attention to college hoops. We'll discuss all that next on BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app. Listening to BetQLU with RJ Choppy and Jeffrey Wright. Hey, welcome back to BetQLU. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He is RJ Choppy. RJ, we'll be doing BetQLU in the action. It's off and on. My, my team will be tomorrow, and we'll be watching some college hoops from noon until 4 Eastern time. I'm not in college basketball shape. I need to throw this out there very quickly. I've got, I've got a guy that uh, I trust. However, his basketball season has started, and now I'm not getting as many tips and as many uh, hot plays as I used to. I got to tell you, when I went out on my own this week, I set the. I, I started college basketball season off right this week. I had two plays on Wednesday night. I had Ole Miss's team total under 59. They had 51 oh. points at the end of regulation against uh. Tennessee. Unfortunately, they're still in the year of 2022 of our Lord. There's no such thing as overtime insurance, which I I will go to the grave saying we need overtime insurance. We need overtime 100%. insurance. 100%. And I guess the reason that we don't have overtime insurance is because we they know we need overtime insurance. That game goes to overtime at 51-51. I actually had an outside shot of still staying under, even with the game going to overtime. Ole Miss sends a 42% free throw shooter to the line. He nails both. And the great thing about it is, as soon as they announced he's a 42% free throw shooter and he went to the no. line, I literally no. go, he's so making both. He is nailing yep. both. Nothing but net, no questions asked. I lose by a point there. Great, moving on. I took Iowa State minus four and a half at home against Texas Tech. It was the classic small home favorite against the ranked team. I just love that spot. That's typically, whether it's football or basketball and college sports, I love that spot. Iowa State's pretty much pretty much covering the whole entire game. They decided uh, late when they could have gone up nine to throw a layup over the shot clock. It was a bold strategy. Did not work out well for me. Despite all that, I still had a chance with three and a half seconds left. Texas Tech down seven. They just dribble it out, or they just miss, you know, a, a, you know, a, a half-court shot. I win. They bank in a three at the buzzer from about two steps inside of half-court. So I am off to a terrific start in college basketball. Man, that is that is as good of a start as you're going to find. I mean, and by good, I don't mean good. Uh, I feel for you, man. I feel for you. I, I bet a lot opening weekend. Uh, I had, uh, you know, I think it was a pick em, Wichita State-Memphis. I took yeah. Wichita State. It was, it was a home game. You know, Memphis had some COVID issues. They they have been, I mean, seemingly Wild, very, very I inconsistent. Confirm, wildly inconsistent. Yes. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the Shockers at home and pick them. Mm-hmm. No. no. At least, though, Did in that work. game, you knew, like, 10 minutes in, you're like, okay, this is the bell. Like, you could just I knew right away. I did right away. In fact, I didn't turn that game. I was doing the show with Ari that weekend, that day, and I turned the game on, um, and it was like four minutes into the game, and they were already down like eight, and I was like, you know what? It's not looking good, man. 
this is not looking good. Whew. I also had Oklahoma State. I was at the same time against Notre Dame, and I was getting worked in that game, and that finally turned around for me. But it was started out as a bad day. That's the other thing with college basketball that I can already tell. Like, I'm not in shape. Like, it's it's the classic. You know that there's nothing ever safe in college basketball. Like, you could be right. sitting pretty at half, and then all it takes is like one run, one guy probably getting in foul trouble, and then all of a sudden, like the entire tides have turned against you. Like, you're never safe in college hoops. So that is one thing that I'm having to work myself back into because. It's not like oftentimes in college football, like when a team clearly establishes control, usually that's kind of the way the game goes. Like there are still some college football moments and whatnot, but usually you can kind of eye test it and about a quarter in, you know, whether or not you're good. Like in college hoops, there's at no point until the buzzer sounds, you know that you're good. I wanted to ask you this, and I know Waco's not exactly DFW, but this has been something that's kind of taken me by surprise. Has there ever been a defending national champion that is undefeated, that metrically looks good, and then on top of that looks good on like looks good in with the eye test? It is really bizarre to me. Like I don't feel like people are talking about Baylor. Uh, look, they they are not, um, and quite frankly, we are not either. You know, yeah. I, I do a radio show here in Dallas Fort Worth, and and Waco is seventy miles from here. And there are a lot of Baylor Bear fans, but it's football state. It's yeah. the NFL season. You know, a lot of the, and now I am the opposite. I will, I follow college basketball basically from the Maui Invitational on. Um, uh, but Feast Week. The, or, Once Feast Week starts, yeah, we're, we're all yeah. locked in. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, so, I, you know, I, like the other day, like that, that Oklahoma and Baylor game, I, I, was all, I was all in on that. You know, there's a lot of Oklahoma fans here. My sister went to OU. I, you know, I follow the program a little bit. Uh, I love, I thought it was a great hire to get Porter Mosier. Um, you know, Joe Castiglione does it again. But, you know, that that Baylor team is tremendous. And they lost, look, they lost Davion Mitchell. They lost Macy O.T. Uh, they lost Jared Butler. So they, and those are team. Those are those are good players, man. Those are good players, and now they're relying on role players from last year. It's a very Alabama-esque season. You know, like the four- and five-star guys they lost are just being replaced by Kendall Brown and, you know, Sochan, and they got a couple of other guys that have played really well this year, and they're a defensive, you know, suffocating juggernaut, and they're a wildly efficient offense. And if you look at Ken Palm, I think they're top five in both in adjusted efficiencies. Uh, they're, they're. I was going to make that point. So you're like, in the end, I think if you go back, and obviously the da- the data is not complete, but pretty much every single year, going back in the Ken Palm era, you have to be top fifteen in both offense and defense to be a national champion. Some people will say like, eh, if you really look at it, it's like top twelve. Well, they're ninth in defense and fifth in offense. And more importantly, it's like, okay, what usually wins in the tournament? Great guard play and and the ability to get stops and then make shots. They check every single box. And honestly, right now, RJ, again, it's the tournament. And so, you know, you can be – anything can happen when it's a a one and done. But Baylor's sitting at plus 933. They still have – Duke and Gonzaga have better odds than they do. Like, I I just don't – 
it's kind of bizarre to me to sit there and go, hey, guys, like, we could used to be able to do kind of the Baylor and Georgia thing that we were talking about earlier in the show where, eh, Baylor, Scott Drew, they're going to they're gonna stumble. They're, they're going to fall. Yeah. Like, can't trust them. Well, I think we saw last year when they're good, they're good, and you can't trust them. Dude, that was one of, I think, the most eye-opening games I've seen in a long time in the sport, that national title game. You know, that was, okay, the, these dudes are on a different level of dog than Gonzaga was. Like, Gonzaga is – Gonzaga was like the dome team going to play at Lambeau in January or New England. I mean, Just to your shell-shocked. Point, it, I, know J, I know Timmy's a good player. Like, it's gotten me to the point where if I'm an NBA team, like, I want nothing to do with him after watching him get exposed in that game. Yeah, I mean, he's good. At, I mean, he's been good in every other game he's played in, but gosh, did he get exposed. Now, I guess, um, you know, in he did the NBA. Outro, like, I understand that, yeah, I mean, I, I get it, but it's like that to me, like, it was that jarring, which it really what it said to me more than anything is like, y'all, Baylor's like legit. And I just, it yeah. just blows me away. They're sitting here undefeated. The number one team in the country, like, if you could give me essentially Baylor and Purdue have the same title odds right now, future odds, I am taking Baylor 10 times out of 10. All, all the time. I, I do hate that they play a zone a lot. I hate the zone. I hate that. Um, I, I, and, and that may have helped, you know, that may have hurt Timmy a little bit in that game, too. Yeah. Uh, so I do hate, I, I hate the Syracuse zone, but Baylor doesn't play it as much as Syracuse does. Uh, but, you know, so that, that's a little pet peeve of mine, but. Dude, Baylor's so good. And, and and I said this on the radio this week, and I never thought, I never once thought in my life that this would be the case. This is the best athletic department maybe in the country. I mean, look at, bas- look at what they just did. I mean, yeah. hats off to Dave Aranda. I mean, I get it. Corral got hurt. But, man, I'll tell you what. Watching that game and seeing what they did to Ole Miss's offensive line, like, I'm not sure if Corral stays in there. Like, I, right. I, I wouldn't have – I think they would have had a much better chance, and I think he probably would have continued to make some plays, and it would, have, it would have gone. But there was nothing that clearly showed when Corral, before he got hurt, that, hey, man, this Ole Miss is the right play here. They go 12-2, and two, I believe with 14 players that are four or five stars or above. Like, that is far and away one of the, the lowest numbers. A Big 12 championship, you win the Sugar Bowl – as you mentioned, like they they just replace everything. Like it's it's unbelievable how well run they are. They are, and women's basketball is fantastic. Their volleyball program is top notch. I mean, this is a great athletic department. And when I first started in in, in radio in in two thousand two in Dallas, this was the worst athletic department in the country. Uh, their basketball team was bad. You know, they had a decent. Their women's basketball team was on the on, on the come up. The football team was awful, and Dave Bliss was covering up murders. Yeah, like. It was this was awful. It was as worse, as bad as you could possibly get. And now it's easily the best athletic department in the state. It's easily the best of the conference, although Oklahoma's is really good. And it might be the best in the nation of the three majors, the football, basketball, and then women's basketball. I mean, I, I tip my cap, and especially when you consider where their athletic department was, you know, six years ago, having to completely clean house with Riles, the scandal, uh, everything that all, all the crimes and, and whatnot, and the fact that they were able to just completely start over. They got rid of everybody and they restarted. And you look like, and they've been able to turn it around twice. They make a great hire with Matt Rule. 
Then they turn around, they replace Matt Rule with Dave Aranda. Everyone thinks last year, ooh, man, Aranda, maybe a defensive coordinator, maybe not a head coach. He completely retooled his staff, and then, you know, they have the season they did. It, it is a complete and utter testament. Any other futures out there that you like? We don't have any lines because we're recording here on Friday for tomorrow, but anything else you like? Uh, look, I, I, I think the number one thing I like is I love the fact that we could get a dog that's the number one team in the nation. That's what I like. I'm, I think that's the play. If you're going to give me the number one team in the nation that hasn't lost and has dominated all year, uh, and you're going to give me plus odds on them, not even the worst plus odds, the vet, like some of the, you know, I'll take it. I think it, I think Baylor's the play right now. Uh, obviously, Duke's having a good year. There are other good teams out there, but Baylor is definitely the play at this moment. I'm Jeffrey Wright. He's RJ Choppy. We want to thank you for listening to and watching BetQLU. From tailgates to rushing the field, on Saturday, it's BetQLU in the action. From noon to 8 Eastern, available on BetQL and the Odyssey app.